Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. Hello and welcome to the first show of 2014 as we look back at a dramatic and goal-laden festive period. New year, new expectations, new champions. You know there's a special spirit in the side. You know that uh, we will fight until the last minute of the game. Arsenal lead the pack, but a Manchester City legend thinks his old side are the ones to beat. He's got such an abundance of top, top players. But tell you what, anyone who finishes above Manchester City will win the title. Tim Sherwood's resurgent Spurs shot the holders. We showed the heart of a lion really dug in when we had to. As you would expect coming to Old Trafford, it's a very tough place to come and all credit to the lads for getting a result in the end. And four games in 11 days is tough for players and fans, but Hull were delighted to give something back when they hit Fulham for six. A bit like buses, you wait ages for them and then half a dozen come along at once. So over Christmas time, you know, it's hard for fans as well as players financially to come along and it was nice to reward them. We speak exclusively to Hull's veteran goalkeeper Steve Harper about the busiest period of the season in the Barclays Premier League. Former boss Peter Reid explains Manuel Pellegrini's philosophy at Manchester City. We talk to a Crystal Palace fan about the scrap at the bottom of the table. Plus, we hear from new Cardiff manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Yaya Toure and Saido Berahino in an action-packed review of the festive period. Hello and welcome back to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Marcus Buckland and joining me to reflect on a busy couple of weeks of action is the former Arsenal and West Ham midfielder Stuart Robson. Happy New Year to you, Happy Stuart. Happy to you as well. What a gruelling schedule it's been. Four games in 11 days. How tough is that for the players in particular? It is tough for the players, but they should be fully fit. They should be fully focused. Players like playing rather than training. So it's, it's a period which I think the players enjoy as well because they can go out, if they make a mistake one week or lose a game, two days later they can make sure they improve and get better. So I think it's a good period for, for the players and the coaching staff as well. Yeah, and we've got a spare a thought for the supporters as well. They have to show plenty of resilience. They certainly do, particularly if you're playing a couple of games away from home. But I think the supporters, as you've seen from the crowds, have been absolutely brilliant over the last uh, two or three uh, days. And, and a quick one on, on the transfer window, which of course has just reopened. A lot of teams will naturally be looking to bolster their squads. But how much of a gamble is it to buy big in particular at this time of the year? I think it depends whether you're trying to improve your team or you're trying to improve your squad. If you're trying to improve your team, it's a massive gamble because I'm not sure you're going to get the players at the right sort of price. If you're looking to improve your squad, I think that's the right time to do it. You can go and get players to supplement your squad so if players get injured later on in the season, they come into the team. OK, well, let's uh, start with the New Year leaders, Arsenal, who certainly left it late to get past Cardiff. 2-0 at the Emirates. But manager Arsene Wenger felt his side ultimately deserved the victory. We were rewarded for our uh, intelligence because it didn't see the goal and we kept our calm and we kept our passing game going. The resilience got us the three points that we deserved but uh, you want to give credit to Cardiff as well. They had uh, produced a fantastic effort today. If they can manage to repeat that, they would say in the league. Yeah, it was painful for Cardiff. Great relief for Arsenal. Bentner and Walcott with those crucial late goals. And the Gunners have been showing a lot of grit, haven't mm. they? As, as well as glamour to which we've become accustomed. Yes, and what they do, they wear down the opposition. You know, we saw Cardiff defend really well. They defended deeply at times. They weren't able to cause Arsenal too many problems. But when Arsenal start to get their passing game going, they tie the opposition out and eventually it comes to the hall. We saw that against West Ham on Boxing Day. Yes, they had that little blip, didn't they, before the West Ham and the Newcastle game. Do you feel they've reinforced 
their challenge, showing that they are genuine title contenders now. Yes, they are genuine title contenders because they are the best team at the moment playing against the weaker opposition. I don't think they've lost, apart from Aston Villa, they haven't lost to, a, to one of the sides out of the top four. And there have been question marks about the squad. Is it big enough? Recent injuries, Ramsey, Ozil, Koscielny and Gibbs, and yet they've been able to deal with that. It, it's an interesting scenario because perhaps it is stronger than, than some people were giving them credit for. I think it's a strong squad. You know, if one of the centre-halves gets injured, Vermaelen, the club captain comes in. Monreal, Gibbs at left back, but it's in midfield where they've got so many players. They've missed all those players that you're talking about, but they can come in. One area where they are slightly weak is the centre-forward position. So that, perhaps, is um, what Arsenal will be focusing on this month? I think he has to, because if Giroud stays injured or loses his form, I don't think Bentner's going to be quite good enough. I think this is the time he has to go and buy a centre-forward. Dimitar Berbatov, mm. former Spurs player, is being... Well, Adibar's gone one way, maybe Berbatov can come the other. The one thing I would worry about Berbatov is that he slows the game down. Arsenal are at their best when they're playing fast, free-flowing football, and it would need players like Walcott to run beyond him, because Berbatov likes to come short. But I've seen him play very well for Tottenham. I've seen him play very well for Manchester United. I've seen him on occasions play well for Fulham against Arsenal. So it could work. Interesting. Uh, And one interesting stat for you. Arsenal ended 2013 with the most points in the Barclays Premier League for the calendar year. The first time since 2004 that they had managed that. It didn't win them anything last year, but if they carry on in a similar vein... Who knows? As for Cardiff, well, the former Manchester United striker Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been announced as their new manager following the defeat at the Emirates, taking over from Malky Mackay. The young Norwegian is looking forward to his challenge in South Wales. One of the factors that intrigued me most about Cardiff is the passion of the fans, is that they love the club, is the, the support they give their heroes. If you want to manage a football club, you want that passion. I'm really looking forward to convincing them that uh, I'm the right man to take the club forward. It's important for us that we uh, start getting points. We've got seven of the teams that are played from 10 and down at home, so we've got a good chance of uh, getting results. The most important thing, though, is that we start getting performances again. And obviously I'd like us to finish above Swansea. That must be a name. (laughs) Well, he's had great success as a manager, a fledgling manager in Norway. Is it? the right appointment both for the club and for the man himself? Well, I haven't seen him work too often, but we know that he did a good job at the uh, Manchester United reserves. Seems to be a good coach. And I think that's what Cardiff need. They need a good coach. He obviously did a very good job for Mulder as well. And he's a coach. He's not just going to be a manager. And I think that's important these days, that the manager is also out on the training field and he picks the philosophy and the vision of how he wants the team to play. And I think he's the right man for that job. But he's going to have to work hand in hand with the owner, Vincent mm-hmm. Tan, who's not had some great publicity of late, but has said there is money available. So that's going to be a fascinating dimension. And I think he needs money because I've looked at the Cardiff squad on, on numerous occasions and, and seen Cardiff play. They're putting some good performance, but they're really working at the hardest they can possibly work at the moment. I think at times Malky Mackay was too defensive in his tactics. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to have to play more adventurous football, but to be able to do that, he needs to be able to spend a little bit of money. They picked up just one point over the festive period and they're now just one point and one place above the bottom three. Do you think they're going to be OK come the end of the season? I think they may just about be OK. I think the, the change of manager might just give them that little bit a spark and they might go and win a couple of games in the next couple of weeks. Well, just a point behind Arsenal at the top are Manchester City who edge past Swansea 3-2 at the Liberty Stadium to make it five consecutive league wins and four out of four during the festive period. They've been installed again as the title favourites. Is that how you see it? I still have one or two issues about their defensive qualities. You know, it was too easy at times for 
for Swansea to play through them, past them. They are only playing with two in midfield against sometimes three. And you have to dominate midfield if you want to win football games consistently. So there's one or two areas that Man City still have to improve on. Well, on the score sheet uh, for them once again was Yaya Toure, who netted his 10th league goal of the season on New Year's Day, his best return so far for the club. We have to manage to play against a good side, you know, and Swansea created a lot of problems. And uh, I think today, fantastic uh, job and... Uh, it's very important because we continue to fight until the end and I think uh, for the team and the club as well, we want to, to win this trophy and I think if we want to continue like that, I think in the end of the season, we'll be very happy. Well, to discuss City's superb recent form in a little more detail, I'm delighted to say we're joined now by their former player and manager, Peter Reid. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Yeah, how are we doing, Marcus? Now, four wins from four for City over the festive period, second just behind Arsenal and obviously that win at Swansea was the perfect start to the new year for them, wasn't it? I've seen them a couple of times recently. It was at the uh, had to watch the Arsenal game and the, the power and the um, attacking options that Manchester City got now are, are amazing. And the depth of the squad as well, which is uh, you know one of the reasons that they're, they're up there on, on this really good run. Earlier in the season, their Achilles heel appeared to be their away form, but um, they seem to have sorted that out, which which has to be bad news for everybody else, doesn't it? Away form, I would put it down, and I'm not being... Super critical. I'd put it down to uh, Joe Hart. His mistakes cost Manchester City dearly. Now, on the plus side, I thought uh, Pellegrini's handled it really well, pulling them out, putting Pontillium in. And Joe Hart now looks back to his best, and I think that's one of the reasons. I mean, I went on about the attack of play, which is good, but one of the big reasons as well is the emergence of Joe Hart, and I think it's only good for City and a concern for the, the other people who are in the title race. At the moment, they've scored 57 goals from their 20 games with 11 different goal scorers. Is that down to the, the players themselves? Is it down to the tactics? Is it the fact that they play two up front in most games? What's the reasons why they've scored so many goals? I think they are open. I mean, if you take the game yesterday, you've got a full-back winning a tackle and then going through and scoring a goal, you know, which is fantastic. Fernandinho hit great for me. He was terrific against Arsenal, terrific again against Swansea. And, of course, yeah, yeah, sorry, he'll always get a goal. So they're a team that, without Aguero, who's injured, you can put uh, Negredo and Jekyll in there. Silva was left out. He's got such an abundance of top, top players. It's going to be a fascinating second half to the season. But I tell you what, anyone who finishes above Manchester City, in my opinion, will win the title. Peter, as well as Joe Hart has been playing, they've gone eight Barclays Premier League away games without keeping a clean sheet. So is that still an area that, that Pellegrini will have to address if they're to maintain their current label as title favourites? Well, I just think he's got a different philosophy. He, he, at the moment, it looks to me as though Manchester City think they can score more goals than the opposition. And it's very, very entertaining. But putting my manager's head on and coach's head on, yeah, I, I'd prefer if they, if they could tighten up and get clean sheets because you can't guarantee goals in every game. Well, if you're Manchester City at the moment, you can, but how long can it go on for? But that's the sort of philosophy in the way that uh, Pellegrini wants to play. And, you know, if they're winning football matches, why change it? Interesting stat, Peter, about their supporters. 55% of Manchester City fans have attended games for over 25 years, which is the highest percentage in the Barclays Premier League. Would you say they've got the best fans in the league? Yeah, listen, there are all of the debates about fans, but what Manchester City fans have been through over them 25 years is incredible. I mean, I managed them in the early 90s and they went down to the third tier of English football and we're still getting, you know, 25, 35,000 in the old main road. 
So, you know, what, what you would say, they're one of the loyal fans, I think, without a doubt. And when they won the title a couple of years ago in that last gasp win over Queen's Park Rangers, I think that typified being Manchester City supporter. You know, you don't know from one second, never mind one game or one season, what's going to happen at the football club. But it's never dull. Well, City are the favourites to win the title, but who do you think the biggest threat is at the moment? Is it Chelsea? Is it Arsenal? Maybe even Liverpool? Yeah, I, I, I think it's too close to call Chelsea. I mean, whatever you say about them, they big results out and they, they have got uh, fantastic players. And the Arsenal, everyone tells you, you know, the Arsenal are going to fall apart. They haven't got strength and depth. But they keep on rolling along, getting results. You know, and they lost Wilshere for a bit. They've lost Ramsey now. They keep on winning. So I think the, the main contenders for me would be... Uh, Arsenal and Chelsea and Liverpool keep on getting results as well but certainly Chelsea and Arsenal are the main contenders um, Peter again with your manager's hat on obviously the, the festive period is the busiest of the season is it a relief for players for managers uh, even for the supporters in, in some regards to get these games out of the way and now to be able to look at the table reassess have a bit of a breather and then start all over again from a supporter's point of view, over the festive period, they love coming out and watching the games. It's a difficult and a physically difficult for the players, but we all know what what it entails playing over that festive period, a number of games over a short space of time. You try to uh, use your squad and, you know, the players get through it. And what it does do, though, there's been some fantastic football and fantastic games. Whether we reassess, yeah, you look at the tables, you're halfway through the league now, and it's just a matter of keeping going. If you're at the top end of the, the table, obviously, you know, get that little bit extra over your rivals. But on the bottom end, it's just like survival. I'll tell you what, it goes right up to there at anyone in 20, 21 points. So it's going to be fascinating at the top end of the table and the bottom end. Yeah, it's perfectly poised, all right. Peter, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Take care, Marcus. So happy times uh, for Manchester City. Slightly worrying times for Swansea. That defeat was their third of the festive period. It means they've dropped to 13th in the table. Obviously, Stuart, encouragement from Wilfred Boney getting a a couple of goals, but it's been a difficult period for them, hasn't it? It certainly has. You know, you expected them to lose to Man City. I thought they put in a good performance against Manchester City. Boney played well up front. They had some good movement in midfield. They still play some excellent football. They're not defending quite as well as they were earlier on in the season. Should they be worried? Just the one point from four matches. Next two fixtures away to Manchester United and at home to inform Spurs. No, I don't think they should be too worried about relegation. I think they're going to be a mid-table side. They're going to play some wonderful football. They're going to win some very big games, but they're also going to lose against some weaker opposition. They are where they belong to be, and that's in the middle of the table. Okay. well, coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to Hull City goalkeeper Steve Harper about their successful return to the top flight. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Marcus Buckland. To Old Trafford next, where Tim Sherwood's new-look Spurs shocked Manchester United 2-1 to move above the champions in the table. The newly appointed Englishman has now collected 10 points from his first four games in charge, and he thinks there's more to come from his team. I thought we could have played better, to be honest. I thought we could have moved the ball a bit sharper. But you know what? Games are won on different qualities, and I think we showed the heart of a lion there today. You know, we really dug in when we had to. As you would expect, you know, coming to Old Trafford, it's a very tough place to come. And we really dug in, and all credit to the lads for getting a result in the end. We're going at it with a squad of 16 players, you know. These boys are had to play every single game. We've got nine players out there injured at the moment, but I think we've got good enough players to achieve something. What that would be remains to be seen, but we need to get some bodies back, you know, and help out the squad. 
Well, so far at least, Stuart, he is making management look rather easy. Yes, particularly in the last couple of games, I thought they were excellent against Stoke and they were excellent against Manchester United. They were outplayed in the first 15, 20 minutes and Manchester United played very well. But once they started to create chances, once they started attacking with flair and pace, they looked to cause Manchester United all sorts of problems. So it was a really good victory for Spurs. The obvious change that he's made since taking over from Andre Villas Boas is the formation. He's gone back to 4 4 2. Has it been as simple as that? The problem with playing 4-4-2 is that you can be outnumbered in midfield and I always believe that you have to dominate midfield. Up against Manchester United, it was OK because Wayne Rooney was playing as a second centre-forward for Manchester United, so it was almost 4-4-2 against 4-4-2. They'll have a problem when teams start to play three in midfield or even four in a little diamond in midfield. And that's when Sherwood may have to just change his tactics slightly, but it's good to see two up front. And, of course, Emmanuel Adebayor has uh, has been revived in sensational fashion. I just wonder what Andre Vias Burst must feel watching from wherever he is at the moment, knowing that, that he froze the guy out of the squad and, and perhaps in hindsight he'll be regretting that. The problem for Adibayor is can he play consistently well over a longer period? I've seen Adibayor be the best player in the Barclays Premier League about four years ago for Arsenal, where he was absolutely outstanding. But the next season, he was one of the worst strikers in the Barclays Premier League. Tim Sherwood has to make sure he motivates him continually from now to the end of the season. Perhaps Tottenham are the ultimate example of, of how good Christmas can be for you. The three wins and, and a draw against West Brom as well. And, and from having lost their manager and being in crisis, suddenly they're, they're looking up just two points away from a, a top four place again. Winning away at Southampton when things weren't going particularly well. To win 3-2 there, I just think has made uh, Spurs' Christmas. As for United, well, it's their worst first half to a season at Old Trafford in over 50 years. But David Moyes felt the scoreline wasn't reflective of his team's performance. Played really well. Get done on a couple of counter-attacks for goals, uh, made a couple of mistakes uh, which we could have done better maybe on them. All you can do is play well and, and then hopefully you take your opportunities when they come and you don't make some small mistakes but overall the players played really well and uh, their effort was terrific to try and get back in the game after being 2-0 down so they were very good and we found ourselves down in the end we lost a second goal as well. Well he clearly felt a little hard done by a couple of decisions went against them, maybe they could have had a penalty, two penalties. Do you have a bit of sympathy for David Moyes after that? I have a bit of sympathy for David Moyes all round. I don't quite agree with him when he's saying his team played well. Yes, they played some good football at times, but at the moment it's too easy to counter-attack against Manchester United because I think they lack athleticism in central midfield, lacking athleticism at left-back. Patrice Everett is really good going forward, but too many times people get in behind him and the centre-halves haven't got the right combination at the moment. So there's many things going right at Manchester United, but some of the big things, like the defensive side of the game, aren't going quite so right and that's why they're losing games at the moment set back for them because they won four in a row in the league prior to that they're now 11 points off the pace with 18 games to go are you writing them out of the title race at this stage I don't think they can win the Barclays Premier League now there's no way they can do it from that position because Manchester City are going to win too many games Arsenal are going to win too many games and Chelsea are going to win too many games for Manchester United to catch them up their big aim is to get into the top four David Moyes was criticised for not being more inventive if that's the right word in the transfer window when he took over in the summer he's got an opportunity to go and buy this month Um, so do you expect a, a lot of activity in that regard again we said earlier on it's a gamble if you're trying to improve the team and that's what he's got to do. He's got to improve the team, particularly in that midfield area. I'm not sure that the midfield players he's got at the moment are quite good enough to be in the Manchester United shirt. They've had Jones in there, they've had Cleverly in there. Good players, excellent players, but they haven't got the creativity. And then when they've got Fellaini in the side and Carrick, I don't think they're good enough defensively. So he's got to improve that area. Well, another London team to have had a, a fruitful Christmas and 
end at New Year period. It's Chelsea who took 10 points from a possible 12 and topped it off with an impressive 3-0 win at Southampton on New Year's Day. Um, How good a result was that, bearing in mind the fact that Southampton themselves have started to slip of late? Yes, Southampton have started to slip lately and haven't got quite the same level of results, but they're still a very good side. And I thought it was an excellent Chelsea performance. They defended well all around the field. It's what you expect from Jose Mourinho's side when he first came back to Chelsea. You expected them to be very tight at the back, tight in midfield, and then be really effective in the top third of the field. And that was the sort of performance that Jose Mourinho would love. And during his first spell at the club, Mourinho was given the plaudits for some of his substitutions, which mm-hmm. often turn matches. And, and that was clearly the case on the South Coast. Is there a better manager or coach in world football at changing games when things aren't quite going right. He doesn't wait for it to happen. He makes the decisions early and it worked for him again this time. Yeah, he brought on William, who scored. Oscar, a goal and two assists as well. Juan Mata, who went off, didn't look very happy when when he sat down. But based on what happened thereafter, he, he can't have too many complaints. Well, can he, he can't have too many complaints now. You know, the team were not struggling, but they weren't creating the opportunities. On come the two subs and suddenly it changed the game. And Mata, it would appear, is going to be on his way. Jose Mourinho has said that uh, he's available, which is, which is a great surprise when you, you consider how effective he was last season. But it shows that Jose Mourinho, doesn't matter how well somebody's played before and reputation, he knows how he wants to play football. He knows that he wants those three players behind the main striker to be very good defensively as well as really quick on the counter. And Mata can't give them that. And when you look defensively at what they did over the festive period, they ground out uh, the draw with Arsenal, of course, didn't concede against Swansea, beat Liverpool, had lost an early goal. So again, there's there's the solidity. You get the impression that, that perhaps they can only get better in the second half of the season. And they're starting to defend set plays much better than they were a few weeks ago. That was their Achilles heel, defending set plays. That seems to have uh, been rectified. A little stat for you, and this is a good hashtag you are football moment. Petr Cech has now equaled Peter Bonetti's club record of 208 clean sheets. Whilst it has been a, a hectic period for the Barclays Premier League clubs over Christmas, Mourinho himself says that he wouldn't have it any other way. To play in this period is beautiful. I love it. I keep saying that I love it. But the players, they are monsters in the good, in the good sense of the word. You see players fighting till the last seconds. But for sure it's in every, in every stadium. They, they deserve, all of them, my respect. And I think the respect of everybody that loves football because what they do is amazing. It's fantastic propaganda for what football is. The special one still sounding very much like the happy one. And you saw him yesterday pouring with rain on the south coast. He had his hood on. But he's clearly thriving in uh, the, the English elements and, and just loving everything that the game brings at the Well, moment. he talked about it there. There's no league in the world that plays with the same intensity over a short period of time, again, over Christmas. And you have to credit the players and the manager and the coaches off and the fans as well for making it such a good period of football. Mentioned that Southampton have just slipped a little of late. Three defeats um, in four over Christmas, just the win at Cardiff to cheer them up a little bit. They're down to ninth. Um, how, how do you read their overall situation? Well, they're still playing the same way. They're still playing, I think, very effectively at times, but teams are starting to know what to expect from Southampton in terms of their pressing game. I think they shocked teams right at the beginning of the season, how high they pressed. Now teams realise they've got to play beyond that pressure and get it into their front players that little bit quicker and make uh, Southampton turn and run back towards their own goal. That's why they're not quite getting the same results as they were earlier on in the season. At the Britannia Stadium, Everton left it late to snatch a point against Stoke thanks to an injury time penalty 
from Leighton Baines, the England fullback, felt that a draw was the fair result. It's always difficult when you come here. The conditions, the wind swells around and it makes it tough, but you know, it's the same for everyone who plays here and it was a tough game. We've got a couple of games coming up now where we'll, we'll be looking to take maximum points from and, and come out of this Christmas period in a healthy position. Well, Everton have scored inside the last 20 minutes in nine of their past 12 league matches, which presumably, uh, Stuart, shows the, the spirit under Martinez and, and the fact they're pretty fit as well. The belief they've got that doesn't matter what the score is, if they continue to play the style of football that Martinez wants them to play, they will get goals. Two wins, a draw, and that surprise home defeat against Sunderland over the festive period. And actually, what a shame that was mm. for them because it prevented them from compiling that unbeaten home run in 2013. And it was a strange result, wasn't it? And that's what you get over the Christmas period sometimes. A couple of good performances, then that poor performance against Sunderland, albeit Sunderland played well, but that was just the uh, real fly in the ointment for Everton. Injuries, um, Jagielka dissed down as well. John Stones came in, very highly regarded young defender. Of course, Martinez is not afraid to throw in no. youngsters. No, he's not afraid to throw in youngsters. Stones is a good player. I've seen him play for the England youth sides at, at times. And of course, it was good to have Alcaraz back, who he's old Wigan uh, centre-half back in the, the side after injury. As for Stoke, well, despite considering that late equaliser, they are still unbeaten in their last seven home matches. They're 12th at the moment, but it was a bruising Christmas period for them, wasn't it? In particular, that 5-1 defeat at Newcastle, two red cards, and, and then the... 3-0 thrashing at Spurs. Well, they were hoping when Mark Hughes took over that the disappointment of their away performances under Tony Pulis, where they were so good at home at times and poor away from home, would change. But it's still been the same. Stoke are still difficult to beat when they're playing at home, away from home. They don't play the same style of football. They're not anywhere near as effective and they still concede goals. Plenty more to come on the show, including Steve Harper on Hull's impressive return to the top flight. But right now, it is time for our halftime tweets. And they have a festive theme this week, beginning with Manchester City's Vincent Company, who tweeted this after the win at Swansea. Great way to start the year. This one is to those who made the trip to Wales and defied the weather conditions. Norwich midfielder Robert Snodgrass, meanwhile, was delighted with the scoreline at Crystal Palace on New Year's Day. A point with 10 men is a good result. Class from our fans travelling in those conditions. Sasha Rita of Fulham was celebrating climbing out of the relegation zone after a win at home to West Ham. Perfect start to the new year, thanks to everyone for your great support. Hull were beaten by Liverpool in their first game of the year, but defender Curtis Davis was quick to praise one opponent in particular. Suarez's goal was unstoppable. Gregsy made some big saves to keep it respectable. We have an exclusive interview, by the way, with Hull's Steve Harper coming up. And speaking of goalies, Stoke City stopper Jack Butland has had a terrific start to the year. It was an extremely proud day making my Barclays Premier League debut. Thank you to the fans for the amazing reception and support, as always. Remember, you can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the Barclays Premier League by following at Barclays Footy on Twitter. Hashtag YouNewFootball. And we'll kick off the second part of the show with Liverpool's battling 2-0 victory against Hull at Anfield. Manager Brendan Rodgers delighted with the three points after what had been a very tough, festive period for the club. It was arguably our best win of the season because we've played some wonderful football and got goals and got great wins, but after a really tough period that we've had in the last five games, to get a result like that 
against a team that's coming here with full of confidence after scoring six goals and, and a team that's proven to be a very good side in the Barclays Premier League. Today's win was, was a brilliant win for the players, so uh, delighted with the result and, uh, as is a good start to the new year for us. Well, Stuart, back in August, they must have looked at the festive period with a degree of alarm, successive away games at, at Chelsea and Manchester City. How well, I mean, they lost them, obviously, but how well overall do you think they performed in those two matches? I saw them against Manchester City and I thought they were absolutely outstanding. They created lots of opportunities. They didn't take them all. Their style of football, the movement of Suarez, Coutinho, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, I, I thought Liverpool looked a far better side in that game than I'd seen them previously. So I think Rodgers will know that his team have still got a chance of certainly standing in the top four, but also challenging for the title. Yeah. Curtis Davis tweeted uh, about that unstoppable free kick from Luis Suarez. Now 20 Barclays Premier League goals in just 15 games. The record, Stuart, in the season, 34 shared by Andy Cole and Alan Shearer. Would you expect Suarez to go on and break that record? If he can stay injury-free the way he's playing at the moment, because he doesn't need other people to create the chances for him. He's creating the chances himself at times. So Liverpool playing well, Suarez scoring goals, individual goals, and his free kicks as well. There's every chance he could break that record. As for Hull, well, despite the defeat, they remain in the top half of the table in 10th place. And to discuss their successful return to the top flight and the rigours of the festive period, I'm pleased to say that... uh, we are joined now by the Hull goalkeeper, Steve Harper. Hello, Steve. Good morning. Now, a draw, two defeats and that stunning 6-0 win against Fulham in your four festive games. Tenth in the table, as I mentioned. How would you sum up the first half of the season? Uh, I think so far, so good. And We've had, obviously, a couple of disappointing results, but we've had a couple of bonus results as well. But for a newly promoted team to be in the top half at the turn of the year, I think uh, shows just how far the team have come. But we know, fine, well, there's still a lot of work to do to make sure we stay in this division. Well, it was a tough assignment for your New Year's Day at Liverpool. They, of course, were licking their wounds a little bit after those defeats at Manchester City and Chelsea. How good were they? They were very good. Uh, they missed a few chances. It could have been a little more, but I, I thought the manager summed it up well after the game when he said for all the possession and chances they had, I mean, Al McGregor made a couple of good saves. The manner of the goals we conceded were a little disappointing to give away a cheap free kick for the second one, which was a stunning goal and to concede from a set piece is always disappointing. But they're a good team and they'll, they'll be better teams than us there at Anfield this year, but uh, we just look forward to the next game. We've got some tough games in January. We've got Chelsea and Tottenham at home and two massive away games at Norwich and Crystal Palace. You beat Liverpool at the KC Stadium 3-1 last month and uh, you played very well on that day. Is it tough to maintain the high standards with so many games played in such a short space of time? It is when you're a newly promoted team and you haven't got the size of the squad of these big clubs. You know, three games in six days. The lads were, were flagging a bit yesterday. Very some tired bodies on the bus and an opportunity this weekend with the FA Cup to give the rest of the squad a game and, and get them up to speed because we will need them over the remainder of the season. Yeah, of course, it's a, it's a tiring time for everybody, including the fans. Uh, Presumably you guys really appreciate the fantastic support that that you get home and away. Yeah, we had a great turnout yesterday at Anfield. I mean, it's always a special place to go and play and go and watch miserable, horrible day. I think all over the country yesterday. But the fans were out in force and uh, they really have been fantastic away from home. And of course, you did treat them to something very special against Fulham. Six in the second half. Team must have been buzzing at the end of that one. Yeah, I was at uh, I was at Old Trafford once with Newcastle where it was nil nil at half time and we got beat six. So I've I've seen that happen before. Yeah, unfortunately for Fulham, uh, Stockdale was outstanding on the day and conceded six. So as a, as a goalkeeper, a member of the union, you feel a little bit <laughs> a little bit sorry for him as well. And we have struggled for goals somewhat and a bit like buses, you wait ages for them and then half a dozen come along at once as well. So would have been nice to spread them out over a few games, but as you said, it, it did give the fans a treat. 
Tom Huddleston grabbed the headlines, finally got that goal, of course, raised thousands of pounds for Cancer Research UK as part of his um, challenge. That was a great hashtag you are football moment. And he's finally, I think, going to get his hair cut. It's been a long time in coming, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, Thursday afternoon is getting cut as well. They'll probably get finished by Saturday morning, the amount of hair he's got going on there. So um, he's not told us what he's going to go for, but knowing Tom, it'll be pretty interesting. But he's he's been outstanding. I'd obviously, I've obviously played against him a few times down at Tottenham, and I knew what a good technical footballer he was. But just the time he creates for himself, two fantastic feet, great vision, awareness. I think the criticism people have had who haven't seen him play is that he doesn't get around the pitch as much but, as he should. But when you see the stats, we all see the stats on a Monday and Tuesday morning and he, and he does cover the ground as well. I think he's deceptive and I know people have talked about the weather in Brazil and ball retention well if there's a better two-footed technical midfielder in, who qualifies to play for England, I'm, I'm yet to see him. We've had plenty of uh, Twitter questions, hashtag BPL podcast. Uh, Ahmad Irawan wants to know, um, how does it feel after making history with the biggest margin of victory ever for Hull in that Barclays Premier League game against yeah, Fulham? Yeah, that was obviously very special, yeah. I mean, nil-nil, a few of us were saying, you know, just might take a little bit, something a little bit special or try and pounce on a mistake, but to score six goals in such a short period of time in the second half as well, you know, they all seem to come along together. It, it was a special day and great when it goes for you, not so good when you're on the receiving end, but uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Over Christmas time, you know, it's hard for fans as well as players financially to come along and uh, it was nice to reward them. Talking about uh, good technical footballers and players that have had an impact for Hull, what about El Mohamedi, who can play right wing back or right midfield? I think he's been outstanding this season. Would you go along yeah. with that? He's a great athlete, Elmo, yeah. He's no stranger to kicking people in training either. I call him the bone collector. He, uh, <laughs> he, he likes putting himself about in training. But he's, he's done really well, yeah. He really suits that right wing-back role where he can get forward and cause problems and a real outlet on the, on the counter-attack. And he's put some fantastic deliveries in as well and weird in with a couple of goals as well. So, yeah, a real, uh, real athlete. And a final question, Steve. A lot of people asking if uh, you're going to finish your career at Hull. So uh, what are your plans uh, for the next uh, few months? Uh, I, I don't know. The bad thing about it being 2014 means I'll be 40 next year. Now, that's all of a sudden, that's <laughs> on the horizon. But uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the season, hoping to play on Saturday at Middlesbrough in the FA Cup and, and just see how the body feels. You know, when you get to 38, 39, it's just each week as it comes. But I'm enjoying it. A new niece of life, great bunch of lads. Hopefully Saturday will be me seventh appearance of the season, which are all bonuses at this age as well. But uh, great club, and if I can help keep them in the Premier League, and it might be a fitting way to bow out. But uh, who knows? I am doing my coaching badges and got one eye on the little managerial role somewhere as well. So keep the options open and just see how I feel. Oh, that is interesting. Well, listen, uh, Steve, the very best of luck with the, with the cut run the rest of the season and, and whatever else comes your way. Thank you so much for talking to us. All right, thank you. One of the great pros of the game over the past mm. 20 years uh, or so, Steve Harper. And, uh, you know, the situation looks pretty bright for him and for Hull at the moment, doesn't it? It certainly does. They seem to be playing well. And what I like about Steve Bruce at the moment, he's trying different tactics. They're playing with a back three, which you don't see too often in the Barclays Premier League. They're at times playing with two up front. They've got two midfield players in Livermore and Huddleston are playing well. I think Hull will have enough to stay up this season. To Craven Cottage next in a crucial bottom-of-the-table London derby where Fulham edged out 10-man West Ham 2-1 to move four points clear of them in the standings. Just how big a win, first of all, was that for Fulham? A massive win for Fulham. You know, I've seen them over the, the course of the season. 
a little while ago, I thought they were the worst team in the Barclays Premier League. I saw them play at Southampton. There seemed to be little desire in their play. They were too easy to break down. They weren't playing with enough force going forward. They didn't look as though they could get balls in behind. But that was a really good win for them, having just lost 6-0 to Hull. Yeah, they had to bounce back from that. They're up to 16th uh, in the table, two points clear of the bottom three. During the festive period, Rennie Mullenstein recruited two very experienced football men in Alan Kerbishley and Ray Wilkins. Let's hear from the Fulham manager on those appointments. I'm so delighted they joined us and they joined myself. I think one of the things I knew straight away to coming into this job and the things that I discussed with the owner and with, with Alistair McIntosh was I need to create the best possible team around me. We had good discussions about that and to get Alan and both Ray on board is an absolute big, big bonus for Fulham and for myself. Yeah, they've got the experience. One or two people just suggesting that too many cooks can spoil the broth, but do you like the look of this new management setup? Yes, and the one thing you can say about Mullenstein, we talk about managers sometimes not being the coach. Mullenstein is the coach and, and Ray Wilkins will just help him with the team affairs on a day-to-day basis and obviously Alan Kerbishley will be looking at some of the players they can try and get in. He'll be looking at the way the club is, is being run from the board right down to the manager. So I think it's a good appointment. Both of them are good appointments for Fulham. So perhaps brighter times ahead for the Cottagers, but for West Ham, the defeat drops them to 19th, three points from safety. Their manager, Sam Allardyce, was disappointed to see his side lose after what had been a bright opening to the game for them. The way we started was uh, was fine, nice and compact and very difficult conditions. Two teams that were feeling the strain a little bit and in the positions that we're in. And then we got off to a good start with the goal. And two turning points in the end for me have been the Kevin Nolan header, which would have made it 2-0. And then Kevin Nolan getting himself sent off. Yes, with regard to Kevin Nolan, Stuart, it wasn't exactly the way for a, a captain to lead by example, was it? Not really. It's not the first time it's happened this season. You know, you need your captains to lead by example. West Ham are in a perilous position at the moment and you need your captain to be the, the leader, the example to the rest of the players. He didn't do that this weekend. Up front, Carroll's been out all season. They've had no recognised centre-backs for the past couple of games. But have they been affected more than anybody else this season by injuries? Well, the style of play they wanted to use meant they needed a centre-forward who was going to win balls in the air, that was going to hold up the play that was going to allow players to support him. Losing Andy Carroll was a massive blow for West Ham, but also their defensive qualities have just been missing in the last few weeks. Yep, not a happy Christmas for the uh, Hammers, just one point uh, from their four games. Crystal Palace joined West Ham in the bottom three after they could only manage a 1-1 draw with Norwich at a windswept Selhurst Park, and manager Tony Pulis certainly felt the weather took its toll on the game. The conditions played such a big part. That was as difficult a game as I've seen for a long time with the wind and with the rain. You know, the next couple of weeks will be big weeks in respect of recruitment, what we can bring in and, you know, what might leave the football club. You know, it's a really, really big couple of weeks for the football club. You know, if we can do some business, hopefully we can. You know, I know the players that I'd like to bring in, so if we can do it, you know, that'll help us. And, you know, they're a great group. As you've seen at second half, they never stop. Well, let us now speak to a Crystal Palace fan who braved those appalling weather conditions on New Year's Day to cheer on his side. Tom Labry is a former Palace pro Programme seller who now lives in Hull. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. A fantastic effort to make it all the way to Selhurst Park on such a miserable day. Was it worth it? I suppose it was. It's always nice to see the Palace, whatever the conditions, whatever the result, really. So, yeah, it was good to get down there. What was the atmosphere like? Palace fans have got a fantastic reputation when it comes to singing and cheering for the full 90 minutes. The atmosphere was good, considering the conditions. I mean, I haven't seen conditions like that for a long, long time. And that's two home games now in a row. Uh, it's also at Newcastle where we had similar conditions. So, have kind of affected the results there, I think. You lost to Newcastle at home and then to Man City away, but it was a close call, that one against Manchester City. Do you think everything's coming together for Tony Pulis at the moment? To be honest, 
the vast majority of Crystal Palace fans, all we wanted was to see a team that's going to put up a fight. And under the sort of early days of Holloway, it wasn't looking good at all. It was looking like we we're going to be embarrassed, to be honest. Yeah, this bloke's come in, he's made us organised, he's made us difficult to beat. Frustrated Manchester City, if you listen to Pellegrini's comments after the game, he was extremely uh, frustrated with the way we played. And that's good. We want to be putting up a fight. We want to be making things difficult for the opposition. So we've actually got a chance. And I think that's terrific for where we were Certainly at the end of September. Tom, I've got to throw one stat at you, which you won't appreciate. You've got the fewest goals in the league, just 13 in 20 games. So is that the area that Pulis has got to focus on in the January transfer window? on head that is the big problem if you don't score goals you don't win matches if you look at the Manchester City game everybody came away saying oh how great it was that Crystal Palace made a real good fight of it but ultimately we come away with nothing from the game at the moment we just haven't got that goal scorer but Glenn Murray's hopefully going to be returning soon and he's going to be a massive plus and I must just ask you about Kevin Phillips as well of course his penalty last season got you into the top flight it's been announced that he's going to leave the club but uh, I suspect he will be remembered rather fondly over the next few years I mean, everyone will focus on that goal against Watford in the playoff final, that terrific penalty. But it's also, it gave us a spark in the championship when we were struggling. There's a hat-trick against Hull City, for instance, that was a massive game. And also, last game of the season, we looked like at one stage we were going to drop out of the playoffs. And then Kevin Phillips came off the bench, scored an equaliser against Peterborough, which secured our playoff place. And then the rest is just a glorious history. And he will be fondly remembered, a great player and a a terrific professional. Tom, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. And we wish you all the best uh, over the closing half of the season. Thank you very much. There we are. That's Tom Labry, uh, a Palace fan who is certainly hoping for the best between now and the end of the year. Stuart, it's fascinating, is it? At the top and the bottom, from 10th to 20th, just nine points in it. Only needs a couple of defeats or a couple of victories just to change your position entirely. So, Crystal Palace, with Tony Pulis in charge, have done well. I saw them against West Ham. It was an outstanding performance that night, and they've continued to play in that same vein. And looking at the Norwich scenario at the moment, another good away point. Keeps them three points above the bottom three, but they were winless in their four matches over the festive period. So, clearly, they need to get another three-point haul as soon as possible. Yes, and they're not scoring enough goals at the moment. You know, Hooper has come back into the side, and he looks a threat when he's playing, but at times, only play with one up front they, the, the wide players have played quite well Snodgrass back in the side he's somebody that can cause problems but I think Trishim's not quite sure of his best side at the moment he keeps chopping and changing the team they need to get some consistency and Norwich in 15th place at the moment propping up the rest at the start of the new year are Sunderland who went down 1-0 to an out of form Aston Villa side at the Stadium of Light and obviously that was a huge disappointment for Gus Poet and co after what had been a, a really encouraging point at Cardiff and, and the win at Everton before that yeah the win at Everton and you know, thought might change Sunderland's results, but hasn't been the case. And that was a really poor performance and a result against Aston Villa. And I think it does cause problems for Gus Poy because he had one or two arguments with his players after the game as well. I think he went publicly and said that some of the players aren't quite good enough to play the style of football that he wants to play, which is a real worry. Gus Poy's side are now four points adrift at the foot of the table. As for Villa, well, it was their first win in six, moves them up to 11th. And manager Paul Lambert was pleased to get back to winning ways. After the Swansea game, it gave us that little platform to move forward with a really good point against a really good side the other day there and came not peering but I thought we played really well we've been out a couple, without a couple of big players and been taking and Vlad coming back Agbon has been missing certain times Dale's been missing and we find it hard to cope with the injuries but everybody fit we're a really good side Two and two for Agbon Lahore Benteke back as uh, Paul Lambert mentioned should they be looking to the future with a bit more confidence now? You'd like to think so but they need Benteke playing at his best last season I thought he was absolutely outstanding one of the best strikers in the Barclays Premier League this year he hasn't been the same player. Vyman was playing one side of him, Agbonola the other side of him. They need to get those players making runs
comes in behind Benteke and start to play the sort of football they were playing last year. OK, well, we'll round off our review of the festive period at the Hawthorns, where West Brom recorded their first win for ten matches, the first for caretaker manager Keith Downing, seeing off ten-man Newcastle 1-0. Uh, it lifted up to 14th place in the table, four points clear of the relegation zone. They'd actually been playing quite well, hadn't mm-hmm. they, prior to that, but wins are so important, they finally got one under their belt. Yeah, it was interesting that Downing went back to uh, playing with a back four in the previous games against Spurs and against West Ham, where he got good draws away from home. He played with a back five, and I thought it worked quite well for them, particularly against West Ham. They dominated the play at times. Defensively, it worked for them against Spurs, but he went back to the back four and a really good result against Newcastle. Their match winner was uh, Saida Berahino from the penalty spot, his fourth league goal for the club, and the England under-21 striker knew the importance of those three points. We definitely needed that thing. The last time we won a game was against Crystal Palace. You know, it was the right perfect time, and we kept going, and we never gave up, and at that time, something went right for us, and we got the pen, and and I had to go and take it. I needed that goal, and, and we needed the three points, and I, I made sure I put the board back in the net, and I just want to thank God that he went in. He's come through their academy. He looks a really bright prospect. In fact, Stuart, some people are already suggesting that possibly he could force his way into England's World Cup squad. I think that would be difficult for him at this point in time. It's not enough time for him to really prove that he's a top-class player. But I have been impressed with him. I thought against West Ham, he led the line really well. He scored a, a really good goal. He had a great free kick that hit the post. So he's a player that's got immense talent, whether he's playing in a wide area or whether he's playing as the main centre-forward. And a word about Keith Downing, who's, who's done a, an admirable job mm. as caretaker-manager, unbeaten over the four festivals fixtures, still a degree of uncertainty as to who's going to take over long term. I mean, actually, he could put his own name forward if he wanted he could. to. Couldn't and he? what I do love about it is that he was brave. When a caretaker manager comes in, they usually just play the same way. He changed the system. He put his mark on the side. There's a big gamble to play three at the back. He brought Luganu back in, who played OK in the first one against but he didn't play quite so well against West Ham. But it was a big call by down it, and I think it's worked for him. I think he's shown that he's got good qualities as a manager. Newcastle stay eighth after what was their second successive 1-0 defeat. Alan Pardew afterwards said it all came down to one incident, that the two-footed challenge from Matthew Dubushi, which led to an inevitable red card, although he was really protesting when the card was brandished in his face, wasn't he? He hasn't got too many arguments, or shouldn't have too many arguments about that, but how many times do we say that? If players are reckless, if players show a lack of discipline, it changes the game, and that's when they make the wrong decisions. That's when they do become bad for the side. We talked about Nolan earlier on. You've got to keep your control, no matter what's being thrown at you. Keep your control keep 11 men on the pitch. Right, well, that's all the teams covered. And after four games in 11 days, we are now just past the halfway point of the season. As you've mentioned, the league is tight at the top as it is at the bottom. And this January transfer window, which we've touched upon, Stuart, is is going to be very interesting. I know you've had a a look at a a few clubs in particular and their priorities. Yeah, you'd look at Arsenal and you think their priority has to be a a second centre-forward, you know, to take over from Giroud if he gets injured or or is not in good form. And Berbatov has been mentioned. I think that'd be quite a good move. You'd think that Chelsea would also be looking for a striker. They've got Eto, they've got Barr, they've got Torres. None of them have been in particularly good form, so that's another area they'll be looking for. Manchester United, no question about it, they need to strengthen that midfield area. And Cardiff... With a new manager coming in, Solskjaer, he's, he's got money to spend. I think, again, they've got to get a, a player in the front. end. They, to stay up, you have to score goals, and they need to be scoring more goals. I'm not sure that Swansea need to replace anybody. Everyone's talking about the uh, Mitchell and Dyer being injured. Do they need to replace those? No, I don't. I think they've got a, a fairly decent squad, and they'll be all right this season. And West Ham, 
it's a big, big ask for Sam Allardyce to keep West Ham up. Now, they need defensive cover. They also need to be scoring goals. And Maiga and Cole haven't quite done well enough in the absence of Andy Carroll. So I think they need to strengthen both ends. Yeah, yeah. Issues to resolve certainly at both ends for West Ham. We'll be talking about the transfer window in more depth in next week's show with journalist Andy Dunn and former England defender John Scale. So make sure you tune in for that. No Barclays Premier League fixtures this weekend, of course, because of the FA Cup. So we'll end this week's show with a few predictions from you, Stuart, for the rest of the season. First of all, the eventual champions will be... Despite having a, one or two problems, Man City will win the title. And the other three in the top four? Arsenal, Chelsea and Liverpool, I think, will be in the top four. So the four there at the moment. Are yes, going to I think they're going to be the four. For you. And no Manchester United. Bottom three? Sunderland, I think that Gus Poy has got a real problem on his hands. Uh, West Ham, likewise, Sam Allardyce has got to do a lot of work to keep West Ham up. And despite playing well at the moment, Crystal Palace, I don't think they've got the quality to stay up. Oh, Tom Labry, who we were just talking to, will not be happy with that. Thank you, Stuart, for your predictions. And, and do tweet us with um, what you may be thinking as well, at Barclays Footy. We love to hear from you. Uh, just before we go, have a try at this week's trivia teaser. Manchester City midfielder Fernandinho became the first player to score in the Barclays Premier League in 2014. He's one of seven Brazilians to score so far this season in the top flight. Can you name the other six? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays Footy or post it onto the Barclays Football Facebook page and we will reveal the answer on the site later in the week. We'll be back at the usual time next Tuesday when we'll be reflecting on the first half of the season in detail with two special guests, the former Liverpool and Spurs defender John Scales and football journalist Andy Dunn. But until then, from Stuart Robson and me, Marcus Buckland, have a very happy new year. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Barclays.